Welcome to episode four of Lost in Translation with Bobby Martin. I'm Sam Perkins. We are coming to you live from the WCTV studios in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Bobby, how are you doing today? Sam, I'm doing great. Here we go again. Yeah, I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. Hopefully some other people out there will, will start loving it too. So today uh, we're going to talk about something that both of us have some different experiences with AAU basketball or grassroots as they're calling it these days. I know AAU is just one kind of particular governing body of it, but it's kind of used to be all encompassing. Uh, you know, what What are your thoughts and what are, what are your experiences with AAU? Well, my experience with AAU was uh, I had a great experience as a player with AAU. It was Sonny Vaccaro. The head of Nike um, was was considered the father of grassroots AAU basketball. Um, he was great to us. I remember meeting him and having nice conversations with him every summer. Just a really, really good dude. And uh, AAU was different. We didn't have as many AAU teams mm-hmm. as we do now. Um, I think it's definitely oversaturated. And uh, I'm not going to say we were more talented, but it was it was set up to the point where you couldn't have too many AAU teams because all the best kids were on in the state. I should say, you know, represented you know probably between one and three teams. So you know, I remember you know you know playing you know guys like J.R. Reed or Alonzo Mourning, and you know growing up in New Jersey, um, you know I had to go to Philly to play AAU. You know, so yep. I was watching Hank Gathers, Bo Kimball, Lionel Simmons, Pooh Richardson, you know, all these guys that came before me. I'm I'm watching them play and, and hoping that you know I could get in and <laughs> get a couple of minutes and play well myself. It's tough. Yeah, so I mean I'm younger than you, different generation. When I was coming up, you know, in the I was in high school in the late nineties and early two thousands, what I knew of AAU was really just basketball and baseball. They've got AAU for so many different sports now, lacrosse, mm. soccer. And, and those sports are big sports, so don't get me wrong. They should have something. But it was much more selective. You had to be, even then, you had to be chosen to play. I mm-hmm. had to try out for every team. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents, it wasn't just throw money at it, find right. a team, throw money at it, whatever. Right. And, I mean, I go back and forth on, like, I think every kid that is passionate about a sport, there needs to be a summer place for them to play. Right. Um, there definitely needs to be because, and also, you know, you look at the big sneaker teams and stuff that are super selective. There are kids that fall through the cracks that wind up being Division One eat pros even down the road that did mm-hmm. not play for sneaker teams. Mm-hmm. Now, more of them play for those elite teams than than don't, but there are kids that fall through the cracks. There needs to be places that they will be fostered and have the opportunity to grow. But but there's so much now of AAU that's just about making money from parents about uh, about you know presenting yourself as an AAU or a grassroots program to the parents to just get them to shell out money for kids that are in over their head or that the operation really is not run like a real legit AAU like, there's just so much wrong that isn't there isn't oversight it's not governed it's not whatever that is just a way to get lots of money from parents who's you know they're not actually developing the kids or the kids really don't belong at that level they're just occupying a spot on a roster so you can Mm -hmm. get some more money from them Mm -hmm. so i you know i'm not someone who's an all or nothing that everything is one way or the other kind of person i see that there is good but i also see that there's a lot of a lot of not on the level and a lot of ugliness um you now work with an AAU program, and yep. what's that? What's that been like? You know, because you've worked training kids from all different programs, training high-level pros. How did you get into working with an AAU program, and what's your role been? And kind of, you know, just what are your what are your feelings? Because it's not the way that it used to be, and and it, and it seems like you're not as positive about the way AAU is now. Wow. This is a very nuanced. Yeah, subject. I mean, I'm putting it out there for you, you know. 
So here's what I'll say is positive. The, the kids get a chance to go out and express themselves on a basketball court, and hopefully it's in front of plenty of coaches. On the flip side, the way they present themselves in front of coaches is a serious problem. I will not, I can't deny that there's some really talented kids out here. And on the flip side of that, there's some kids who probably shouldn't be looking for college scholarships. Yeah. There are tiers to this game. Um, there are tiers to players. There are tiers to, you know, everything in life. Uh, and competency counts. Uh, if you're, you can be a great player but have a horrible attitude. And real talk, college coaches aren't looking for, while they may accept a kid with a bad attitude because mm-hmm. the kid's got no other choice and the coach has no other choice, so he brings them in because he wants his program to win. Those kids usually don't make it. This is uh, the basketball part. I mean, look, <laughs> there are elite and I, I use that word in, in, in quotations. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to break down the word into uh, what's what what's the term? A uh, not an anagram. Maybe maybe it is an anagram, but you know, e. Ev- I'm thinking of elite as every little idiosyncrasy truthfully exposed. Okay, that's what I'm thinking about. What is elite? There are no elite kids out there. I mean, they're entering into a world of college basketball that they will have no experience with, a world of business. College basketball is a business if indeed they get a chance to earn college scholarships. So the, uh, the, the poor information that they're receiving um, is disheartening. It's really disheartening. There are coaches out there who who ain't worth a damn. Can't stand them. I see coaches out there taking selfies on the sideline, mm-hmm. you know, promoting themselves in videos. And I'm not talking about promoting. If you're going to promote anything, promote the kid, the child, yeah. right? But the issue with that is, is that you know, kids will kids will send highlight videos, and honestly, coaches don't look at highlight videos. No, man, that's, <laughs> I mean, so I reconnected with AAU during COVID. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, a mutual contact of us was, is, uh, he, he launched kind of a, a circuit, you call it, and, and, and had me come in to, to help and do some video stuff mm-hmm. and different things for promotion and marketing and whatever. Um, and I'd been, other than, you know, reading up online about players, you know, I had not been out to AAU events since I was in high school. So we're talking about going back. You know, we're going back a long, you know, long time, almost two decades. Um, and it's changed so much. And now all the kids want, they call them mixtapes, mm-hmm. which are, um, they're like these cinematic style videos where, you know, th- there are some really great producers of this like there's a kid named he goes by the Bobby Media mm-hmm. he's also like a, a, a call you know he's a basketball player too mm-hmm. but he does this in the offseason he's amazing man like he is amazing he is an artist at what he does that mm-hmm. stuff is incredible what he does um, and so I love watching it because it's artistic mm-hmm. but all these kids and you're talking kids as young as like third fourth graders want these mixtapes done that make them look cool and cinematic and dramatic and like it's cool for social media but what they don't realize College coaches don't care about that at all. They want unedited game film. If they're not going to see you live, what college coaches are going to look at, unedited game film, up top, showing the whole floor, what's your actual game speed that you play at? Because in these mixtapes, they speed it up, they slow it down for dramatic effect, everybody looks like a superstar. They want to see whole games. How are you actually playing? What are your actual percentages? How are you moving without the ball? What are your rotations on defense? You know, they don't care about mixtapes and kids don't realize that and they pay a bunch of money and you have there are some just scammers and just joke people that that create these highlight mixtapes out there that are like oh yeah college coach i saw someone talking about college coaches want to see the college coaches don't want to see this at all they don't care they, they they're not idiots they realize you can make anyone look like a superstar on this so mm-hmm. if you're a kid and you, you want to get a mixtape because you want it on your social media you think it looks cool 
not going to hold that against you. You're young. Kids mm-hmm. want stuff like that. But do not think that a college coach is going to come recruit you because of how you look on an Instagram mixtape because they're not at all. Um, when And when you talked about the coaches, man, like, yeah, it's a huge problem. The number of when I started going back and doing this and I would just watch coaches, you have coaches that are elementary school coaches, middle school coaches, developmental levels, screaming that was a combination of words, screaming at referees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at, during games, shouting at their players at on the sidelines. Like, this right. is not helping anyone be a better basketball player. Like, who are you that you're that you need to make this big show and get teed up coaching fifth graders? You know, like, right. what what does that accomplish for anyone? So, two things. One one thing you touched on was is you know, the kids and their need for a highlight reel. So. I get it. I totally understand it. I've, I've been a part of it. Okay. What they're not getting is truth. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, now in society, we're we're going around saying, well, you know, I, you've got your truth. I've got my truth. And you know, so you know, what truth is there really? Well, let's just go off a of perception and a a a. Uh, a lack, I should say, a lack of perception, okay? Here's what the kids don't understand. The coach is recruiting the who. Mm -hmm. He can look at the what and figure it out quickly. What they're more interested in is the who. So who are you presenting yourself to be when you're out on a basketball court? Hard workers are needed. All right. So, for example, if I see a selfish player on the court, and I'm I'm saying this in in quotation marks because you know he may not have a good team. All right. So there's you know teams aren't yeah. good. You got one good player. He's going to be a little bit selfish because he's trying his best to win. But if I see a kid not giving his best as much as possible, it's probably a kid I'm not recruiting. We have the kids specialize in one area of the game. And you just explained that coaches are looking for more areas of the game. So now we have a specialist. For example, everybody loves shooting. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves dribbling the basketball. Well, the fact is that most of your time on the court is spent passing the basketball. So if you're not making the right pass, then the coach probably has no need for you. So instead of being a specialist, which is what we teach them to be, right, maybe it's that we help them become a jack of all trades because the game changes quickly right yep. if you're saying there are no positions then why are the world why in the world are you focusing on one position i'm not saying that the kid doesn't have a strength area you need to be very good at your strength area if you're not go practice you know your weaker areas but how long do you how long do you stay practicing on those the coach is going to ask you to <laughs> do your job just as Bill Belichick says, right, in football, do your job. We're not asking you to do, th- do anything else, right? He's not asking Teddy Bruschi or, you know, back in the day to play quarterback. Yep. <laughs> right? So, and the kids have a hard time dealing with that, a really hard time. So, you know, with the coaches now, look, I, there are players I don't get along with. There are coaches I don't get along with. So the level of where they've coached doesn't matter as much to me. I mean, yeah, there's there's some things that, you know, depending on the level you've played at, look, there's a different understanding of this. But what I see more of is more, I, I, I see more screaming and hollering than I do communication, than I do connection yeah. with the kids, right? And that's the issue. It's not the X's and O's. It's that the the coaches are out there screaming and hollering like this is the NBA Finals or their jobs are on the line. Why? Because it becomes an ego trip for them also. So what do the kids do? The kids mimic what the coaches are doing. It's nuts, man. Now the parents are angry on the sidelines. Ah, it's it's nuts. The number of coaches that I see at these that are just coaching, you know, they're coaching like, low level teams that are that are on the sidelines doing their best Bobby Knight impression Mm -hmm. 
is is mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like that you're supposed to be developing kids. You're supposed to be building them up. You're supposed to be helping them become better. And you're not helping them become better just berating them, screaming at referees, getting teed. You know, like it's about connection. It's about, it's about you know, relationship building mm-hmm. with your players, learning what sort of style do they have. Some kids do. They, they respond to someone getting and mm-hmm. kicking them in the butt. Mm-hmm. There are other players that do not respond well to that at all. Mm-hmm. And as a good coach, you need to relate to different players differently. Right. I had a conversation with a parent who said their play, their kid who's a middle schooler, mm-hmm. like like sixth grade, seventh grade, who switched AAU teams because they said that the coach of their kid's AAU team last year, and I think last year they were on a fifth or sixth grade team, would would yell at his players about being I'll say soft but it was a mm-hmm. much stronger harsher of course, word of course you're calling 5th 6th graders that like no you're failing as a coach if that's what you're doing at that age you know you're, you're cursing at them mm-hmm. about being soft but mm-hmm. you're using much much stronger language mm-hmm. like you need to come from a strengths based approach with young kids like that berating them it, it just a 5th grader or 6th grader is not going to respond to that at all and and nor would they and if that was my kid and you were doing that not only would my kid not be playing for you but you and me would be having a very serious conversation in the mm-hmm. parking lot after the game mm-hmm. like um just a number of things that i saw man that really bothered me about about the aau culture and like i said we talk about about the 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 mixtapes and, and all this stuff and it's like you're instilling in these young kids uh, this ego that just should not be there like you know and don't get me wrong when I first started doing it it's like I thought it was cool and it was a way to make some cash to, to, mm-hmm. to be making mixtapes and it was fun but in hindsight man you know I, I really sh- I think that if I it would not be doing it for anyone younger than high school mm-hmm. anymore because I feel like it's sending the wrong message to these kids. Right. Um, as far as entitlement and ego, buying into your own hype when you're that young, you know? Yeah. Um, but but there's enough issue to go around, like parents, too. You know, what's really creepy, I don't know if you've seen this, but on social media, with, like, young kids, we're not talking high school kids, we're talking okay. middle school or elementary kids, is, like, parents creating accounts for their kid posting like they're the kid but it's Mm -hmm. parent run you'll have Mm -hmm. fifth graders and sixth graders like dropping these quotes from like kobe bryant or like martin luther king like like these really deep (laughs) quotes and it's like there's no way a fifth grader is spending this time putting together this deep quote about hard work and like you know uh the world and whatever thing like it's just it's really creepy to me that like you're creating a fake account for your kid where everyone in the world knows this is not your fifth grader or sixth grader posting these these quotes like it's just to me it is really what i i don't know what what is going on behind that it's it's the atmosphere we've created for them i don't blame the kids at all no i don't blame the kids for it either it's it's the adults yes the adults are the problem you ask any college coach um, they're going to say that the parents are the problem. Now, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, all right? Um, you have parents are also looking for someone to mentor their children, all right? And we're talking uh, whatever level you're at. And if you're not with those kids every day, all right, how much mentoring can you possibly do, right? You're not the parent. Yeah. So it's important that the parents do their job to give the proper guidance to their children. You can't expect the coach to do it. The coach will accept them as, as, as the kids get older and they've proven that they have a, a, a level of talent that you know, can earn them you know, a free education. But even in college, the coaches don't have time to babysit the children. You know, and I'm saying young men, young yep. women, right, who enter college with the same attitudes that they've had in high school, which were the same attitudes that they had in grade school. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm watching, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, I guess, right, and there's a, a father who pulls out a gun, right? I was just and, about to talk about that, man. That okay. is, <laughs> this is a place that you and I have both gone, you know, yeah. for, 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 yeah. for, for sports, you know, for, for AAU games that in right in Massachusetts. Like, I, it, 
I'm not going to say it, it, it. It's not new. All right. When I was in high school, you know, this is Atlantic City High School versus Camden or Bridgeton or somebody that look, there was probably some shoot 'em up, bang, bang going on outside after a game. So this isn't new. OK, we had high school games where, you know, we couldn't we couldn't divulge the location because they didn't want any problems, especially between Atlantic City and Camden. So yeah. I get it. What I am asking the parents to do is to set a better example for your kids, and some parents aren't capable of doing that, right? We're not ready yet. I still make mistakes, but that won't be one of them. Yeah, I mean, that was just, I saw that clip, Mm -hmm. and we just last episode talked about parenthood, fatherhood. It was horrifying to me, and that was before the events that have unfolded since, so it's even more horrifying in hindsight. But, you know, what is alleged, and I haven't seen more, but that a parent, there was some sort of verbal altercation, Mm -hmm. And then one of the parents pulls out a gun. I think he's trying to, and it like yeah, yeah, jams jam. or something. Yeah, yeah. I saw the video <laughs> of, of all everyone stampeding out, and to think of the kids. This is a place that I've taken my son. That my son loved to go. The, the way AAU is, and the amount of people that come into these one, it's just totally not safe. Period. To begin with, mm-hmm. um, you know, without metal detectors, and I mean, there really should be security on set. So that is something that I would say is pay a detail officer to be on detail there. I'm not someone who's like, you know, that we need to have police everywhere, 24. But like in an event like that where you have thousands of people on site, you need some sort of safety measures. Probably need to have a medical staff on site too, like you know EMT, which I haven't seen because mm-hmm. there have been issues with kids, serious injuries, oh, yeah. un- unknown heart things. Yes. Um, so that I would say is lacking there and is lacking in a lot of places of safety protocols. But this is on the parent that that you you pull out a gun in the middle of your kid. What is this about? You know, what what parents are are like trying to live vicariously through their kids, are 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 thinking that their kids are, are gonna are NBA players when they're mm-hmm. in middle school. I mean, I think I, I looked up that, that parents kid from what i could tell isn't even in high school yet not that if they were in high school or college it would be justified it doesn't matter what but mm-hmm. it's like what are you doing that you're getting this emotionally wrapped up in your child playing a game that you're 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 pulling out a firearm in the middle of it like that does nothing except scar a bunch of kids and damage your your kids future prospect you know you see these videos of Referees and umpires and, and different sports being attacked during games. You know, one, it's a game, and mm-hmm. you could permanently injure or kill someone doing mm-hmm. that. Two, th- that all that is going to do is hurt any kid involved in that sort of altercation's long-term prospects. Mm-hmm. College coach sees a high school kid go and attack an umpire or a referee. They're like, no. I'm not taking that kid. Unless you are LeBron James or you are some sort of top 50 prospect in which they'll go, you're on a very short leash mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, we're going to give you a second chance because you're so ungodly good. Mm-hmm. But most kids are not that, which most parents don't right. get anymore. Most everyone kids think, aren't that everyone exactly. think, but, And I don't think it should be like that, that you, you do something horrible and because you're a certain level of good, we're going to excuse stuff. Mm-hmm. But... You're a kid that is involved in in an incident like that. That is going to damage your future prospects irrevocably. Like, and and it's just this these this level of stuff is supposed to be about the kids and developing them as players and as people. And, and where did that that go? You know, maybe the mistake is in developing your kid for a future instead of worrying about their present. You know, what they're doing yeah. right now guarantees that they have no future. So don't, you know, you uh, you get what you put up with. And if the kids aren't giving a, 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 better, a, a better version of what really goes on in life, remember, this is sports, man. This is AAU basketball. And I'll, I'll say it here, and I want every single one of them to hear it. You are not that good. You're not yeah. that good. If these are grade school kids, and what the what the elite kids are trying to, you know, hopefully get to a some type of private school where you know they believe they can get a higher education, yep. all right, a better, uh, a higher form of education. Right now, we're not even talking about the educational system, but 
you know, if that's what they're looking for, people are going to, the people who are in charge of giving away that money, all right, or investing that money in you, are going to be people who are much more concerned about who you are, not what you do. There's plenty of money to give away, yeah. right? Plenty of philanthropy out there, okay? But they're going to be concerned with the who. So you're making a huge mistake, uh, young athletes, if you think that you arguing with a call from a referee that you don't agree with. Or these referees and, and umpires are regular people just like you are. Yeah. They are doing it for the love of the sport. They are giving, they're giving you a chance to... You know, as 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 crazy it may sound, express yourself and you know develop some sense of self-esteem. But if your self-esteem is conditional on what someone says to do, says to you, and your reaction is that emotional, then you're not going to make it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I just am baffled and and kind of blown away by it a lot of the time. And going back to the incident with the, with the handgun, you know, I saw on social media. You know, several of these coaches coming out of the woodwork that's like, oh, it's supposed to be about the kids and development and we're, you know, mm-hmm. condemning it. And it should be condemned. And the stuff that they're saying is true that, like, where do we lose our way? Except a bunch of these people are part of the problem from everything I've seen. You know, they're they're not developing their kids. They're focusing on on all this hype and, and you know, like. You know, mixtapes of middle schoolers that are like, you know, getting in other middle schoolers' faces, and, yeah. and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the the, the the hypocrisy of of using this horrific, could have been tragic moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get on this soapbox of like, you know, moral indignation when it's like, you guys are part of the problem here. But isn't that so? If we're talking AAU, I say, oh, what the problem with AAU? No. There's no problem with AAU. It's working exactly how it's supposed to work. The coaches are making their money. The AAU organization is making its money. What they don't, why isn't there a, instead of 700 teams or 600 teams in a tournament or 400 teams in a tournament, if you're going to have that many, why don't you have people there speaking with the kids? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. <laughs> people who have been there and done that, speaking to the kids about how they need to conduct themselves. You won't say all of them. All of them won't make it. Everybody ain't going to make it. But maybe you get through to the kids who actually have some say on their teams, where they will no longer put up with the antics because it's obvious that the coaches themselves aren't doing enough. It's about winning the tournament. That's yep. all AAU is about, winning the tournament. I mean, the, the one thing that I will, I think is a very... I think that a lot of coaches that I've seen focus on this as, like, the big issue when it's Mm -hmm. like this is a very small Mm -hmm. representation of the far bigger issue is they'll talk about young kids, elementary, Mm -hmm. middle school kids, Mm -hmm. the number of teams at that level that are playing zone defense. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, I've never, like, and and I do agree that it's a problem that you need to learn how to defend man to man. Mm Uh, because you're not going to develop as a player. But that's such a small microcosm of the larger issue, which is we're not looking at the development period. And it's not just, yeah, it's a problem if a kid can't play man-to-man defense in at the elementary and middle school level, because if you can't defend man-to-man, you're not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the far bigger issue at that level is we're not focusing on developing these kids to be better people and better players. We're focusing on on hyping them up and we're focusing on, uh, you know, just promoting them like they are superstars. And once you get that ego as a player, you know, you're, you're going to set a ceiling on yourself. Because mm-hmm. once you start buying into your own hype, you're not going to work like there's always someone that can come take it away from you, that can come take your spot, can come take your job. Right. And none of these kids are good enough to get by just on a natural ability, especially when you're a middle schooler or an elementary schooler, you know? Right. Well, I mean, you said don't believe the hype. It was a 1988 public yep. enemy, right? Yep. So you're right. D- don't believe the hype. Um, here's here's what I'm seeing from the kids. I'm, I'm And I'm going to go back to this. I'm seeing them act exactly as the parents let them. The parents won't put a stop to it. With my son, here's what happens with him. 
I'm watching him play. He's got on the the arm sleeve. Mm-hmm. He's you know and uh, you know some some other nice gear, right? And I, I haven't seen this yet. So I'm watching him warm up, and I can't stand it, you know, because for me it was just him bringing attention to himself. Yep. So I calmly get up, and I walk down to get that walk down the bleachers. I tell him to come here. I said, take that shit off. (laughs) (laughs) And he took it off, all right? And uh, he played a great game, okay? But, you know, me as a parent, what I wanted to do with my son was teach him it's not about the gear. I don't know if you remember the Spike Lee and uh, Michael Jordan commercial. It's the the shoes, money, is it the (laughs) shoes, is it the shoes? No, it's not the shoes, but that's what they're presented. I've got to have the next pair of Nikes. Yeah. They're, they're gifts. It's the gear. It's the uniforms. It's all this stuff that means absolutely nothing. So if that's what we present them, if we, it's like going to a David Copperfield show, right? Or David yeah. Blaine, yeah. right? Abracadabra, here it is. Here's your land of illusion. And these kids can't even, can't even find what, what makes them tick. Yeah. That's sad. I, I don't. I don't know what your feelings are on him as a coach, but there was a, you know, I've learned unfortunately as I've gotten older, not just from my playing experience, but my mm-hmm. post playing experience when I was working, covering college sports. That I think a lot of college coaches that I thought were great people are, you know, oh, they're people number one, so they're they're fallible and they're mm-hmm. not imperfect. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them are not. You get into that level, and mm-hmm. and there's a certain level of. Um, self-serving and backstabbing and mm-hmm. and and putting wins above above doing the right thing that unfortunately mm-hmm. that a lot of them get corrupted by it but um there's a quote that I loved from Frank Martin uh who was the coach of South Carolina mm-hmm. and has now been hired by UMass right? by UMass my dad's alma mater uh mm-hmm. and and I always loved it it was on his philosophy on referees and coaching as a parent and like I said, whatever your feelings are on Frank, I think it's worth listening to. And and I'd, I'd love to hear, if you haven't heard or if you have heard it, what your thoughts are on, on his perspective. Mm-hmm. So, I know this. I'm the most animated coach that you've probably ever seen when my team's playing. I go watch my kids play. I don't say boo. I don't wave my arms. I don't try to coach my kids. With all due respect to most parents out there, I probably know more about basketball than most of them, okay? But I sit in the stands and I don't say a word. There's two guys refereeing a fourth grade game on a Sunday morning. What can they possibly be making? 20 bucks a game? I used to do that. I used to make $12 for 10 and under, 15 for 15 and under, and 17 or 18 bucks for high school age kids, okay? So on a Sunday morning, instead of being in church, those guys are out there trying to make a couple bucks to pay their bills, feed their families. Do you think they really care what fourth grade team wins? Do you really think that they, like, sat at home and said, I can't wait to officiate that game tomorrow because that one team, I can't wait to get that 10-year-old kid and embarrass them in front of people. Do you really think that's what they're doing? I don't try to tell my kid how they should play. You know what I told my two boys when they come at me? Why are you asking me, man? I didn't run your practice. Go talk to your coach. But uh, don't talk about your coach in front of me, man. Because if you are, then you're not playing basketball. You don't understand why you didn't play better? Go talk to your coach. I'm not your coach. I'm your dad. Somebody disrespects you, then I'm here. If you fail, good. Deal with it. I'm going to help you get up. But don't come talk to me about coaching. I do this for a living, man. I'm not going to criticize a guy that's trying to help you. And then the other part. So that's the officials. Do you think those coaches coaching fourth-grade kids are making any money? So there's someone that's giving of their personal time on a Sunday for free to help other people's children, yet we're going to have the adults in the stands yelling obscenities at the officials, criticizing every decision the coach makes, yelling at the kids like the kids, they're 10 years old, man. Like if there were LeBron James and Dwayne Wade playing in the NBA Finals, like, like they know how to handle their coach over here and their parent over here yelling at them, then we wonder why kids get confused, man, why kids rebel, why kids don't know how to listen. How can you listen when you got so many voices in your head at the same time? You know what life teaches you? Shut things off.
And that's, that's the part that's frustrating to me. It's, if, if someone so, wants to be so animated when there's a basketball game going on, then go coach the team. Go run practices. Show up every day at 6 o'clock at night and run an hour and a half practice. And then you got your team to coach. Or be an assistant coach. Sit on the bench. Yell all you want. I don't care if people on the bench yell at my kids. I got two boys. I, if they don't deal with my children, they won't be on, my children won't be on their team. My, my child acts up or doesn't do things the way that they're expected to do things by them, not me. And they let it happen. I'm taking my son off the team. I want my son to be challenged, my, both of my boys. I want them to grow up. I want them to understand what life's about. But that's the part that's sad, man. Sad, man. <laughs> I love everything Frank said. Um, so, example, again, with my son. He played with BABC, Leo Papil. Yep. Also, at times, a very animated coach. At times, Leo will sit down and not say a word and make the kids figure it out. Junior had an option on playing with other teams, but I thought that Leo would be the best example that Junior needed at that time. I never coached my son. I wanted to be dad. I did train him, so he was prepared for the physicality of the game. But I always wanted to be dad. I let someone else coach him. I let you know my mentor Wayne c coach yep. him. Okay, and for me that was great. Never talked to him about a game unless he wanted to talk, and then he was able to come to me. All right. The only time I ever jumped on him was when I saw him not playing hard, um, where he was just going through the motions, which all of us do at some point or another as young players, and um, when I saw him screaming at his teammates. Um, one thing I always tried to teach him was look first to understand, then to be understood. You can't talk to your teammates like that, not when you're considered to be a leader. You know, I think we look at, you know, the, uh, what's the Michael Jordan documentary, what's it called? Uh, uh, Last Dance, yep. right? And we see Jordan lambasting his guys, right? Oh, you've got to be like that, you've got to be like that. That's what our kids are going to see. I'm not MJ. I don't know what MJ was going through. Yeah. Maybe that's the way MJ dealt with people. But they also told you that Bill Cartwright wasn't having it. Yeah. It's not the type of guy you know. And MJ didn't bother him anymore. I heard a story about that with Robert Parrish, too, when he was at exactly. the end of his career, that MJ and Robert Parrish was basically like, if you do that again, I will kill you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Didn't ever do it again with Robert with Robert Parrish. So, like you said earlier, you know, we, we, were, we were speaking of communication and connection. You know, we can, you know, there was a saying we were, look, either you, we can keep this a basketball game or we don't have to. I mean, your philosophy is very much how my dad was with me. And every kid's different, I get that. But it, it really, it was the reason why, while he was alive, that sports yeah. meant so much to me and I poured so much of myself into them is that, so he trained me, mm -hmm. it was on me. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted to get up every weekend and I wanted sports to be what we did right. the moment I woke up. And if I wanted it, yep, he was there. And he gave me advice, and he let me know if I was not working as hard as I could be. Yeah. But he wasn't jumping on me and screaming on me. He was right. just real. You know, I think the one time that he ever got angry at me about something is I showed up late to a game. Not before, not after the game started, but, like, you know, supposed to be there mm -hmm. an hour and a half before I got there. You know, I mm -hmm. was late to getting there for a pregame prep because yeah. I was with a girl in, like, the eighth grade or something. Right. He was mad about that. Um but uh, he trained me. He never coached me mm -hmm. um, as my coach other than, I think, the sixth grade. There was like a YMCA basketball team because there wasn't enough coaches, so he mm -hmm. coached. Um, but uh, he trained me. But then games, uh, baseball, he'd be out behind center field, mm -hmm. you know, way far away, not around mm -hmm. any of the parents. Didn't hear him mm -hmm. say a word. Football way up in the top of the stands away from it. Basketball way up away from everyone else. He didn't want to be around the parents that were screaming and shouting, right. and that wasn't his style, and that really resonated. Um, and I agree with so much of what Frank said there. I think when he's talking about the coaches, I agree with him, like, rec league stuff, town teams, CYO, that sort of stuff. 
the where I I get a little, and I agree totally on on the referees, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. umpires. You know what? That they mm-hmm. are not being paid nearly enough to deal with the abuse that they're dealing with. Nobody's right. paid enough, but especially at that, like kid. You know, what do you do? They're doing the best they can for, for a little bit. They're giving up their weekends. Yeah. Where I disagree is I do think at this point that AAU, even with like elementary and middle schoolers, that there are, there are coaches out there that are doing it for all the right reasons, that mm-hmm. care about their kids, that mm-hmm. are pouring a lot of themselves into it, that aren't making any money. But there are others that really are, when you get to the AAU level, that there there is some just just ugliness to it. But overall, I agree with, with, with his points that he was making. He's also, from from what I was listening to, I think, you know, what, what we didn't do was make the distinction between AAU, when he's talking about going there and being there every yeah. day at 6 o'clock. Yeah. That's, that's he's talking about high school exactly. basketball or grade school or grade basketball. School, right. Yeah, exactly. Your town team, your middle <clears throat> school team. And I agree exactly. completely on that. Those guys, they're not really yeah. paid. You know, even at the high school, you know, I, when I coached high school sports, you get a stipend Mm-hmm. For the season, unless you're at some private school, but mm-hmm. if you're a public school in Massachusetts, you know we're not talking about Texas football where those coaches are like set up with well, a full job. But and he, but yes, <laughs> Here, now so here's here's where this runs into the business of AAU basketball. When I was in high school, I was getting letters from damn near every school in the country, but it was my high school coaches, right? Yep, those were the guys that. That um, that college coaches needed to speak with. I was playing AAU, and our AAU team was pretty good. But it what they may have contacted my AAU coach, but I was so close to yep. my high school coaches. Shout out to the high school coaches who do it the right way, who are who are who are invested in their young men and women's lives. I love those type of coaches. Yep. you know, one of the coaches, well, is is at North Quincy High. I love what he does with his kids. He actually cares about the kids. I've had a chance to see it. And in AAU, I haven't seen it that much. And don't get me wrong, I don't know all the programs. Yep. What I have seen is that the, uh, the organization that, I, that I'm affiliated with, we're talking about um, the house we built, right? It used to be Rightway Skills. George Rightway was invested in his kids. Yeah. Alfred Chan called me. Um, I had no interest in going into AAU yep. basketball. Um, I'm like Frank. I sit in the back when my son was playing. I sat in the back. I don't want to be up front. Yeah. And I would only intervene when I thought he was being disrespected, and not disrespected from the coach, but disrespected from another parent. Yeah. I mean, I've stepped to other parents. Yeah. <laughs> so ease up. You know, ease up. Yeah. Don't call them soft. You know, don't yeah. don't antagonize the other kid. Try to be too physical. You know, they're just yeah. Playing I cannot basketball. understand parents that get no. on kids that like. It just, yeah, it, it to me, it, it is it is not just embarrassing, but it's disgusting. You're there screaming at other kids, insulting other kids, yeah. you know, yeah. at the high school level. But then you get down middle school, elementary school, like, what do you do? What, what do you, you, you are not setting up your kid for long-term successes mm-hmm. if this is how you're going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that ego is a big, big obstacle for so many athletes where, no matter how talented they are, if your ego is too big and you are expecting things, it is going to be a problem either when you're playing or when your career ends because it's going to mm-hmm. end at some time and you're still expecting things mm-hmm. and you're out there in the real world and people don't care. They're not going to keep handing you jobs and st- stuff. You know, it's it's just um, another problem that I have with the AAU scene that I've seen a lot of. I don't know if you've seen this on the coaching side, but I've seen this a lot from kind of the 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 multimedia videography operations side from a lot of different kids that I've talked to. I mean, stuff, people tried to come to me with it, and I'm a grown man in my 30s. So the way they are with kids, which is free labor, unpaid labor, is a big problem where teams, coaches, events will go to kids, young kids that are talented with a video camera or young kids, and say, like, hey, come do this for us and you'll get exposure out of it. Mm-hmm. And my advice to any kid is, look, if you want to go shoot something on your own, mm-hmm. if there's a big-time event going on, a college game, whatever, you can you can get connected to get a media pass. You know, One, just DM me, mm-hmm. because at the college level, I've worked with, with SIDs from, from all the sports right. information directors. I'll help you get a media pass to go right. shoot. But if you want to do it on your own for free, then go do it. That's great if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But anytime someone approaches you and says, come basically work for me, mm. 
but you're not going to get paid, you'll get exposure out of it, mm. walk away from that. Right. That is a scam. You can work for yourself and get exposure. Mm-hmm. If you go for someone else, they're going to be demanding a certain level of work on their deadlines, their time frames, and want, asking for more and more and more and not paying you anything. Do not do that. It is a, Doing stuff for exposure for other people is a total scam. So you're, it, you're talking about the difference between exposure and being exposed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go, go work for yourself for free mm-hmm. for exposure. Don't mm-hmm. go work for someone else for exposure. Well, that's too hard. Yeah, it's too hard for the kid. You don't want to go out and, and, and have to make it for yourself and, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and grind. It, no, no. It, what do you mean bring my own camera? No. It, it, unless they're setting you up with hotel accommodations and a plane ticket they're playing somewhere else and they're mm. giving you food or whatever, okay, that, that maybe that, that works. But, like, these local tournaments when it's, like, pay for your own gas to get there mm-hmm. and, and you go film and then give the video to someone else and create something really dope. And people don't realize how much time goes into these 59-second mixtapes on Instagram, mm. which is hours and hours. You're, fil- you're driving to the game, so let's say that's an hour each way right. to go to the At tournament. Yeah. So that's two hours right there. You're filming if you're filming two, two games because most teams play at least two games in a day. Right. That's another two hours at least. At least. So that's yeah. four hours right there. Hoping not to you mention play back to back. Not right. to mention all the lag time in between. <laughs> yeah. Then you go home. Then the actual edit. You got to go through your film and then you got to edit it all together. You're talking three, four, five hours of editing mm. for something really good. So we're up to already like ten hours minimum of work for one 59 second video there if people are saying come do that for me for free for exposure on your own dime do not walk away from that because they are just looking to you hear all kinds of 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 just horror stories of kids being taken advantage of because they're young and they want to make it in the business you can work for yourself for free for exposure and Mm -hmm. you're going to get a lot more out of it anyone who's trying to get you to provide them content that they're going to use for you to get exposure just kid do not don't do that. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, told me, he said, if they're offering it to you for free, it's free and worth every penny of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then these, you know, um, you know, th- these these big uh, tournaments themselves, too, they're, they're relying on, on lots of young kids to be working. They, they cut corners all over the place cost-wise. Let's get as much free labor as we can or pay kids mm-hmm. as little as possible to be. And then they're not, like I said, the, you know, not having security on site, not having an EMT on site if someone suffers a medical emergency, which is quite possible, you know? Like, yes. you have 100... 200, 300 teams in a weekend, mm-hmm. you, tears, breaks, let alone, you know, you hear about kids that have undiagnosed, yes. like a heart condition or something. Uh, I think about the, you know, places that we've been together, the venue that we've been, like, I went, the first time I went to to a larger high school event, kind of a, a national, nationwide uh, uh company that runs these and they they have one in massachusetts and this was during the height of covid mm-hmm. when things had kind of first opened back up and we're still mm-hmm. in the high so i shouldn't say that but it was like you had because there was one of the top teams with like one of the with the top player in his class in the country was playing mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and the court that he was playing on you had hundreds of people around the court not in seats just standing on the yeah. sidelines all yeah. the way around Shoulder to shoulder to shoulder, right. four or five rows deep to watch because it's a great player. But like one, everybody's breathing on each other this this far apart. Right. That two, you have a player fall out of you could step on somebody. You, you know that you, oh, you yeah. could suffer a season or yeah. career ending injury because there isn't proper safety protocols in place to keep people a certain distance back from the court. Mm-hmm. And it's like <laughs> for, for for these totally dangerous situations that are happening. That it's just luck and random chance that no one is suffering a horrific injury at them. Well, thankfully, there are some uh, organizations that do have the, uh, the the medical staff on yep. know, on site. And you're right; some tournaments do not. Um, they should probably be fined, all right, <laughs> uh, and and possibly shut down. Because if you're saying that this is for the kids, then it's yeah. for the kids, not for your profit margin. Although I, I want you to make a profit from it. Yeah, I totally get that. Seriously I mean, you, you can't that. exist if you're not making a profit. No, but like, I get it. Yeah, you have to be able. If you can't have basic safety measures in Adequate, place, then yes. you shouldn't no. be running it. Shouldn't you know? be running it. Should not be running it. Sad. 
sad, but unfortunately, this is the world that our kids are living in. You know, I, you know, you had mentioned the uh, the COVID thing. You know, when the kids started playing again, you know, COVID protocols were still um, pretty much strict. Yep. And, you know, when they first started playing, I'm watching my daughter play, and you know, they've got to play in masks, and. You know, I'm not big on that anyway because I, I thought that they were just breathing into a petri dish. Yeah. You know, but I said, look, you know, it's what you got to do. And you know, they're not allowed to. Uh, they weren't allowed to shake hands after the game. You know, it was the wave. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, how odd is this? They just finished sharing the same basketball. Yeah. What do you mean you can't? I mean, you know, yeah. at what point are we going to start? You know, trying to make a little bit of sense out of this? It's not like they're not hitting each other. They're definitely breathing in each other's faces. I'm just like, dude, what what is going on here? This is how paranoid we get. You know, there's going to be a trade-off. There are always trade-offs somewhere. But we should not be trading off the kids' safety if they're in a situation where, and especially the younger kids, because they're not even physically developed enough to handle all the contact. Yeah. Right? So what are the referees dealing with? They're dealing with a clock in order, the, the 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 venue itself needs everyone out by a certain time, yep. right? The the organization, the AAU organization, wants everybody out at a certain time. So now the referees aren't making calls they should be making. Yeah. So I get it. I understand why the parents are upset, right? But like you said, where's self control? You know, they're dealing with a lot. They believe that their son or daughter is going to earn a scholarship right then and there. Reality check. <laughs> Sorely needed. Well, once again, we want to thank uh, everyone who has joined us today for episode four of Lost in Translation. Bobby, it is a pleasure as always. Sam, I love being here, man. <laughs>